Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps Show with Peter Vesquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Buenas tardes, señoras y señores, hermanos y hermanas, mothers and fathers, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the Next Step Show aquí con tu conservative New Yorkan Peter Vasquez. Y como every other Friday, tenemos al mayor of Realville. What's up, girlfriend? Not a real girlfriend, just for that disclaimer. What up, girlfriend? What up? <laughs> <laughs> I know, just smile and nod, Aisha. Oh, you know? uh, smile and nod. So what, am I not words. a real girl or I'm not a real friend? Which well, one? Well, that's, that's why I use the phrase. But, I'm you know, saying. in today's times, man, people will be like, oh, guess what? Peter and uh, Peter and Aisha, they're, they're boyfriend and girlfriend. He so said so on the air. Just wanted to just wanted to throw that disclaimer there, uh, Mr. Matthew. He told everybody what he was doing. Exactly, but ladies and gentlemen, her husband Matthew Croyton, an an author which we'll have on here soon, just got his books published. You guys. You must be super excited, Aisha. I am super excited. Like, I don't see you for a week, and all, a week, and all of a sudden you guys become millionaires overnight for being great authors. I, well, I hope so. That would be nice. If, you know, people will be able to buy it in Barnes and Noble and all sorts of places. Where else can they buy it other than Barnes and Noble? It's, it's on electronically. Is an audio book on that, or at least it's on? Ah, uh, there's not an audio, but you can do like Kindle and Amazon and stuff like that. Is there such know? a thing as Nook anymore? Are they still do that? Nook, yep, there's Nook. You know, I mean, so, you know, all the electronic places you can get it, but it wasn't before it was published. It, you know, you couldn't get it at, like, a, a bookstore. So yeah, here, can. next couple of weeks, you can get it at any bookstore and stuff Real, like real that, quick, so. what are the titles? Oh, my gosh. And you really? got to give him the ISBN number, too. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> the, return of, the Return of Jake Charm is the first book. I read that. Actually, look at the back cover for my comments so, on that book. That's and, and that's the one that's published. So we just, the, you know, the, it's four in the series. But Matt Kreitz, uh, website? The Untamed Fury is the uh, Untamed Fury, The Return of Jake Charm. So look that up and you, you should find deeper. it. Hey, Bob, still not smoking? Ah, uh, excellent. What Did day is this? Yet? Today is, oh, man, I lost count. It's more than three weeks. So Wednesday was three weeks exactly. Like 22 or something like that, man? Something like that. Yeah. Have you I, cheated at all, little puff? puff? No, I have a, 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 a what is that called? A, a, caramba. Nicotine toothpicks. Thank you. Nicotine toothpicks. Toothpicks. But no smoking, no vaping. And I feel good. Mm -hmm. I'm coughing a lot, though. I'm yeah. a little concerned. I'm oh, going to cough it all up. Listen, that, yep. all that crud's going to come one out. Month. <laughs> About so, a month into it all, it all comes up. It's so gross. It so happens that today, one of the national observance <laughs> is the lung living, leaving, L-E-A-V-I-N apostrophe, uh, day, which is a day to focus on lung health and appreciate the ability to breathe. And boy, I'll tell you, I appreciate that. We're going to dedicate this one, this Groundhog Day, to... Peter! There we go. Today is also Groundhog Day. They didn't see the shadow. Uh, he's uh, early uh, early winter, or uh, early spring. Oh, that's nice. I can get on my horse now my hip is fixed. Now, 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 the bad news is, of course, his track record is terrible. Luis was almost going to talk. Why don't we introduce we our guest here yeah. next? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Como esta, señor Luis? Buenas tardes. Check Como this estamos? out. 
today, see, I, I love doing this, and, and I'm especially honored to do this for you today, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a dynamic guest. And if you guys are ever in the studio, he really does love introducing the guests. Okay. So today, a seasoned professional coach and advisor known for guiding numerous individuals across various sectors with a rich background in psychology and counseling stands out. He stands out. Born in Cuba... That's right, Cuba, not Cuba, Cuba. Our guest <laughs> approaches, uh, uh, approach to resilience and optimism was shaped early on. This notable figure, this honorable individual is none other than el señor Luis Martinez. Buenas tardes. You can tell that I owe Peter a lot of money for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, señor Luis, you know, just after the show, have a seat with uh, the Voice of Liberty and you guys can so sign your advertising contract and we'll call it even. There you go. <laughs> Muy bien, buenas tardes. Encantado de estar aquí con ustedes para educarme yo y entretenerlos a ustedes. So we're here to entertain, but also for us to be educated. So, so you know, we're going to get into your story here in a minute, but I just ran across an article on the Daily Signal this morning that, that caught my attention. The, uh, the title is Mom Sue's School District for Socially Transi Transitioning a 12-Year-Old Girl Without Parental Consent. Well, that makes my blood boil. I'll tell you when you're ready, I'll tell you why. Absolutely. And the thing is, I think your story, your personal story, kind of like can, can validate what you're going to tell me here in a minute. But let me give you some of these details. Um, a lawsuit was filed against the Skinny Atlas Central School District in New York, which alleges unauthorized social transitioning of her 12-year-old daughter without consent. Unbelievable. But isn't it great? But check this out. Um, the district deceived the parents about her daughter's mental health and social struggles. And the article explains that the mom was noticing uh, that, that her daughter was struggling with these things. She, the mom even took a job as a bus driver, guys, uh, to, so she can kind of dig deeper because yeah. the school was like, your daughter's just fine. Check out what they did. Um, uh, where are we? She, the school's failure to inform... Uh, the mother about these issues and ongoing bullying. The, they reportedly treated the daughter as a boy, instructing the staff to use male pronouns and boys' names while keeping these actions secret from the mother. This was the school's directive to the, to the teachers, right? right? They say uh, the school's claim is that the school district policies required employees to deceive parents and continue to do so even after the parent went and asked. Right. So the deception is evil. What they did there, and I will call out that school district, is patently evil. Now, let me give you a little bit of background to show you why I say things like that. There was a time in my career where I was a certified bilingual guidance counselor in Wilmington, Delaware, and I was a state-certified bilingual psychometrician. I used to evaluate children for scholastics. Now, in those days and now, the school staff have no agency over children other than to teach the the uh, the, the the subjects and the, the matter that is scholastic they have no agency whatsoever to throttle around a child and deceive the parents about something that is strictly the business of the parents and the child i'll say that just flat out and please uh, try to prove me wrong if you can that that the the 
school teachers have more agency than the parents. They do that not. Is, that, they, they totally don't. Ladies and gentlemen, 346-3000, tell us what you think. Do you think that a school has agency over your child? They think I mean, they do. In my opinion, school should focus simply on, on what, exactly. education maybe? Education, yeah. Uh, 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 maybe extracurricular activities like reading, football. writing, arithmetic is yeah, that's the focus. So, so I mentioned before when I ran for the state assembly, um, I was running against Harry Bronson, and we were talking education. And he says it's complicated. I mean, no, it it's really not isn't complicated. It's, 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 it's very simple. Uh, how about include your parents? and guiding the children and inform parents so they can exactly. deal with these issues the appropriately. I had. I had to deal with the parents, uh, explain to the parents the scholastic aspects of their children. That was my job. I also did it in college at the University of Delaware. I, had, I, would, ex- I would explain to the parents of the college student, this is what I found out as a result of the, co- the, the, the testing that I did, the Stanford Binet Intelligence Scale, the Excellence Intelligence Scale for Adults and Children, and I could do it in, in, in Spanish and English. So the point is that they have no agency to go and not only perpetrate what I consider to be a crime against humanity, and then lie to the parents about it. They should be the, that district should be sued into extinction. They should that not only horrible. be sued. Every it, single person in that school that participated should be brought up on charges from uh, child protective services and investigated. Right. Yeah, as a teacher, there's or, no way um, I would I would have had to be fired if uh, you know trying to go through and have have my boss tell me no i'm not supposed to inform uh you know a parent what is going on with their child that but on the other side of this if the equal rights amendment passed they would not be able to even sue uh constitutionally so no and we got it we're yeah we're, we're going to do a show little but this is the abuse behind it to fit the narrative that the state is doing right the american psychological actually let's skip that we'll talk about that one later but only points 0.6% of the american public the us population um, is transgender they want to increase those numbers. They want to that make numbers, it normal. That number's outrageously inflated. Uh, yeah, because it's much less than that. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to your conservative Neorican, Akimi Mito, in the WYSL studios. Today we've got my homegirl, Aisha Kreutz, the mayor of Rioville. Tenemos a Luis Martinez. Y por seguro, siempre tenemos la voz de libertad. Hey, no te vayas. Don't you go nowhere. Don't you change that dial. Uh, we'll be right back with some great conversation. And some exciting news about our host for the most. Coming up. In the Rochester and Finger Lakes region, one name stands above all others for real estate appraisal and advice. Ryan Murphy and Associates. This full-service real estate appraisal company can appraise and advise on purchase and sales decisions, mortgage finance feasibility, estate, matrimonial, partnership buyouts, litigation, and more for any type of property, both residential and commercial. Ryan Murphy was founded almost 40 years ago. All of our highly trained staff members have at least 20 years of experience. All our appraisers are either New York State certified general or residential real estate appraisers. Ryan Murphy and Associates. Start here. RYNNEMurphy.com. Youth for Christ Rochester needs to grow. Our kids are telling us they don't feel safe in their neighborhoods or rec centers, and they're asking us to be open more. And thanks to your support, we will. 
We're adding a weeknight and Saturday mornings to our basketball program. We're adding a second Arts Academy Friday night. And we're adding a second P31 girls class on Saturdays. But we need your help. $25 per month funds a kid for a year. Give your best gift to yfcrochester.org slash donate. Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the Voice of Liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the Voice of Liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. From attic to basement, we're here for you. It's quality service in all we do. Call Taylor. 500 help. Dependable Disposal offers weekly residential trash and recycled tote service. Dependable Disposal, local business, local people you know. Call Dependable Disposal, 585-505-1500. Let's see what we can do for you. Peter Vasquez and Next Step Show on the WYSL stations. We are back in here with Next Steps for the Friday and uh, brought to you, of course, by one of our fine sponsors. That would be Ryan Murphy and Associates Commercial and Residential Realty Appraisal. Decades of experience in Rochester and the Finger Lakes. Be sure you ask about them. And, hey, Mr. Modesty. Uh, did, did you want to uh, tell us about what's going on in your life? Big thing happening today. Yeah, I dropped a press release this morning announcing that I will be running for the Monroe County Clerk's Office. It, you know, it just dumbfounds me at how how little um, attention has been paid to the people that need the services. And as a result, customer service has been in the toilet. Well, I can tell you my customer service over there. I'm a notary. I had to get my notary renewed in uh uh, it was right after Jamie came into office, and uh, <laughs> I, I, it was horrible. I mean, I right. couldn't get phone calls returned, and uh, they, they gave me the wrong date. They did everything over the phone. Yeah. I told them when my expiration was. And so uh, they gave me a, a date. I had a new, new stamp made and everything else, and the renewal date was wrong yep. because I got the final renewal date from Albany. Yeah, it took me months for the same issue. But listen, you could talk to almost any lawyer, any title company. I mean, they'll tell you, filing, going, and then now, uh, listen. But, hey, the show today is not about that. We'll do one in the no, future. Thank you, you for announcing you, you it. Running for a Republican county clerk. How yeah. about it, folks? How long, is know, it, how long has it been? Um, let me see. Two, four, it's been almost uh, a little over 10 years, I think, since uh, Cheryl Denofo. Mm-hmm. It had to have been 10 years or, or a little She older. was county clerk. She was county clerk, yeah. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. That's what I'm running for is county clerk. Okay. Ladies and All gentlemen, right. yes, your, your conservative New Yorican Peter Vasquez threw his name in the hat. I will be running for uh, Monroe County clerk. And, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I could use your help. Give us a call. My phone number is 585-880-7580. We'd love to hear, hear from you. But anyways, we have a guest today who's way more important than me. Uh, the story that this guy has to share, listen, you need to listen because these are the things, these are the stories that help us understand the realities of what's going on. Instead of opinions, I like to bring facts. But before I go there, Luis, and I apologize, we did get a caller, uh, uh, and I didn't get a name of the caller. However, sir or ma'am, Thank you for calling and sharing, because I was not aware. Um, but Phil D'Angelo, that was the name, thinks, 
Uh, we, have, fo- we have Phil, Phil D'Angelo on the line. Oh, he's on the line? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. For, former superintendent of this very school district we're talking about, Skinny Alice. Hey, hey, how you doing, Butch? I miss good, that. good. How are you? We're doing fine. Introduce you now to, uh, I know him, uh, introducing you now to our host, uh, who is Peter Vasquez. Hey, Phil, thank you for calling in, sir. No, you're welcome, Peter. So I, I, I take My pleasure. You, I take it you heard uh, when I was talking about the Skinny Atlas, Skinny Atlas School District that uh, intentionally or, or specifically told that uh, administrators and teachers in the school to lie to a parent. Mm. Nope, nope. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was a uh, educator for 35 years, a school superintendent for 22. I'm certainly not perfect, but I'll tell you, in all those years, you keep the focus of the kids first. It's about the kids. And the job of a school district is to educate students so they'll be successful in life after school. You know, and I think they're getting too involved in trying to parent. That's the parent's role. You know, I know um, school administrators are in local parentis when kids are attending school, but you don't cross that line. You know, the parents are the ones who have the kids. It's their total responsibility, and the school district should focus on providing the best education that the kids could possibly have and to afford them, um, you know, the the life skills to be successful in either, uh, you know, the workforce or in college and things like that. But, yeah, that you, you can't lie. You know, I mean, that's a slippery slope. It's so much easier. You tell the truth and you don't have to have a good memory because the truth is the truth. If you start to lie, then, um, you know, it, it's it's totally inappropriate and it's it's not the way a, a good Christian should behave, you know. So why why would a school district, uh, Phil? Why would a school district, or the school district that you ran, not or done, but now they apparently have a policy that requires employees to deceive parents, um, even after the parents have, have discovered it. They they continue the lie, and I've heard of this in other places, but a school district, why, why would they have that? I you, you know I'll tell you I retired four years ago, and I'm glad I got out when I did because I didn't like the direction education was going in. It it wasn't what I signed up for. It wasn't what I learned when I was, you know, getting my uh, teaching credentials and my administrative. You know, what I was taught is it's about the kids. You focus on the kids, and then you focus on the teachers. And, you know, the parents, you support the best you can, but you do not usurp, you know, the the parents' authority, and you certainly do not lie. I mean, uh, you know, I, I... I pride myself. And again, I was, I'm not a perfect person, but you know, if I didn't know the answer to something, I would say, I don't know. I'll get back to you within, you know, 24 hours, but you don't lie. Uh, That's unconscionable. Hey, Phil, Bob, again, uh, a couple of interlocking questions here. I wanted to toss on the table. One is, can you comment on this? I I know you've been retired, but I'm sure you're still up on things. What's happening in public education. One is the attitude of, uh, of a lot of people with an ED degree who they, they look down on the parents. They look at them in a disparaging way. Hey, we're the professionals. You're just a bunch of bumpkins. You don't know what's best no. for these kids. That's one. And then the other thing is there's there's really an attitude of ownership of these kids on the part of a lot of faculty members these days where, you know, they, they want to talk about if they're, if they're in a homosexual relationship, they want to talk about the relationship of the kids and bring them yep. in on it and, and the, 
I mean, this is not appropriate for third, fourth, and fifth graders or any oh, graders. Not, not at all. Not at all. I, you know, your personal life stays at home. You're trying to establish yourself as a good role model, as an educator, and the value in getting a good education and trying to get a good job and trying, you know, to have a, a good life. But you don't get into all that other stuff. That's inappropriate, you know. I mean, you focus, you know, and, and I'm going to go back to, you know, I went – I started school back in 1965, and back then, you know, it was the reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, and, and that's the focus, the education and learning um, study skills and all that, but you don't cross that line. You know, parents, teachers and administrators would not have jobs if it wasn't for parents that's right. having kids, and right. that's why you've got to know your clientele. You're there to support the children and the community. Uh, but hang, hang on for just a second, Louis. I, I want to introduce you to Louise Mart- uh, I'm sorry, Martinez, uh, who, who's who's also uh, he's in studio here, and he's got a lot of experience with working with youth as well. Right. I remember uh, helping children in school in this is Wilmington, Delaware, where I was working, and helping mm-hmm. the student, like student first, and then working with the teachers to help the student. And in some cases, I actually had to work uh, as sort of as a social worker, find, finding why the student wasn't at school when I looked around, and I could tell you stories about that. But the point is that what do you suggest now parents should do looking looking uh, all over the districts and in, especially in New York State? The parents should be aware of and be cognizant of so that they don't get caught by surprise like this, like these parents were. Well, I, I, I think, you know, parents obviously want to take an active uh, part in their their children's education and things like that. I think you know when an issue arises, you know, forget the email, forget a phone. Well, call the school and have a face to face. Let them see where you're coming from. Let them understand your concerns and establish that rapport so that you have that honest uh, discussion. And when you're sitting across the table from somebody looking into their eyes, I think you could read if they're they're mincing words or giving you some mistruths you know, versus shooting them an email, this and that. I think people need to return back to the, the personal approach and to have the sit down and, um, you know, really get to know them and um, be able to have that face-to-face. I think we've, we've kind of lost that a little bit over the, you know, with all the social media and this and that. It's too easy to dump and run with an email or something. And sometimes you read an email and depending on the mood you're in, you can either read it as a good email or a bad email. So I think, you know, having a face-to-face sit-down and this and that, and, you know, if something comes up and it smells like there's something rotten in Denmark, then you definitely, you know, want to sit down and, and flesh everything out. Phil, a great conversation, Phil. I would love to have you on the show sometime in the near future if you're ever up to it. By all means, if I have an open spot, it's yours if you'd like to come on. I have one more question, though, before we yeah. let you go, Phil. Um, yep. uh, uh, m- many in our state legislature seem to believe or, or, or expo- um, tell people that education is just too complicated to understand it. Right. You were an administrator. Do you do you agree with that statement? No, no, I, I I don't. You know, I I think in every district I went to, I you know would work with my elementary teachers and say, you know, reading is the key. That's the thing we really need to focus on. You need to have reading every day. This and that. And then you provide the support to the parents to support the reading at home, because if you can't read, you can't do anything. Education, you know, yes, everything's kind of moved down. You know, what I learned in college is now in the high school. Everything's kind of shuffling down. 
but it still comes down to people dealing with people and their kids and their precious cargo and people have got to get their priorities straight and realize that yes we have the kids for um, a certain number of hours a day but they're still belong to the parents and you've got to provide them with the skills necessary to be successful and you cooperate with the parents because you know if people work together there's a lot more power in working together than working against each other. Phil, I so appreciate your time today, sir. And again, please continue or uh, consider coming on the show. Hey, yeah, Phil, come yeah, on, yeah, come like out of retirement. Said, you know, talk talk to my brother Bobby, and you know, um, you know, if we schedule something, I'd love to continue this discussion. You know, I am very passionate about kids, and you know, the whole education process. I'm not totally happy with the direction things have gone in and when i retired uh four years ago i got out just before the covid and you know things have changed dramatically and i don't always think it's for the better i think we need to return back to where we were before absolutely uh phil i look forward to meeting you soon in in person hopefully uh god bless you sir thank you for the call hey ladies and gentlemen let's not forget that things like education things like uh, financial literally uh, literacy and reading and writing makes a man or a woman unfit to be enslaved or a slave. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to your conservative New Yorker, Note Valle. We'll be right back. 585-346-3000. Join the conversation. Peter Vasquez and Next Step Show on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to the Next Step Show, ladies and gentlemen. What a beautiful day it is today. Hey, guys. Luis, I'm glad you're still with us. We're going to get to you. But, hey, join the conversation. I think we have Rich on the phone. Rich, thanks for calling the Next Step Show. Hey, hi, Peter. How are you? I'm doing super just like to correct one little thing you said earlier. You said uh, the that we're in on that uh, hiding the, uh, the the issues with a girl from the mother. You said they should all be uh, reported uh, and uh, turned into um, child protective services. The problem with your statement is child protective services would probably side with the school. That is a fact. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is a fact. They, uh, it's kind of like uh, all the other liberal stuff that the uh, they come up with whatever title they put on their um, organization or whatever they're doing is usually the opposite of what they're actually doing. It's that the is same as like Planned Parenthood, same kind of deal. You know, Rich, every once in a while in my head, I'll just say to myself, man, you know, we, 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 we've got to trust the systems in place. So I figured, you know, I mean, we all know it isn't true. We all know it, you're 100% correct. but Those were the days when we could trust all those systems in place. There was a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Rich, I appreciate the call, sir. I really trust it. So, Luis, yeah. and, and, and thank you for being patient with us. Oh, for sure. um, you know, there's so much going on that's crazy in this world. But I believe that your story kind of is a positive story. I think it'll sure. shed some light on the importance of of individuals coming here and wanting to be citizens the right way, because then we right. don't have to hide in the right. in the things. So, what is your story? I mean, I, I, 
real quick, who are you and then what is your story? (laughs) I'll start with that, that there are a lot of positive things we should be doing for people who are trying to get here legally, such as my entire extended family who has been – who have emigrated to the United States legally over over the last uh, 40, 50 years. That's four generations of Cubans in my extended family who live here, with one exception, and I'll talk about that one. And that's my my mother's younger sister, uh, Edita, Edith. But I'll get back to that. So the point is that I was born and raised in Cuba, and I did a presentation in my church a couple of weeks ago on exactly this topic. It took over an hour for me to just describe what what I have experienced. And I did it using family photographs beginning when I was born and uh, all the way up to to the present and what we went through, what we witnessed, what I witnessed as a 10, 11, 12-year-old child, I witnessed, for example, the Cuban Revolution of Fidel Castro. Now, let me put some context there. There was a revolution because the government was corrupt. Well, the government is corrupt in New York City, the government is corrupt in Chicago, and the government is corrupt in L.A., California, you name it, and we know who they are. And there was a revolution against that, that form of government that were elections were stolen and, and there were bad people in, play, in, in, in good places. But, however... Havana and Cuba in general was one of the, the one of the Western world's leading uh, uh, you know countries. Matter of fact, if you talk to people older than me, they will tell you that they honeymoon in Havana, not in Las Vegas, which barely existed, not even a name, or even in Miami. They honeymoon in Havana because that was the place to go for for great times and you know driving the late model cars and going in, in, in beautiful restaurants and, and like the Tropicana, which they're still driving today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's a reason for that, and I'm a car guy, and I'll get to that in a moment. But here's, here's, uh, here's what I'm talking about. I was doing this presentation to uh, members of my church a couple of weeks ago using family photographs, and one of the things that I showed, and f- folks here in Rochester, New York will recognize this, I was showing them photographs in living color from when I was a baby in Kodachrome, Kodachrome, 25 ASA, and those who worked for Kodak will know what I'm talking about. How can, they, how can those photographs be so vivid and so brilliant? Because it was a great product from the United States, from Rochester particularly, and we had access to that. So one lady who was in the room, she actually said, you know, all these photographs I see, you weren't poor. That was her, you know, worse to that effect. How come you weren't poor? And I said, because Havana and Cuba in general were very on par with, believe it or not, Places like Paris and Buenos Aires and certainly better than Mexico City. Mexico was larger, but the standard of living was in Havana was much better. And But we had a corrupt system, and then there was a revolution. And the interesting part is that my mother was the oldest, then my uncle and his younger sister, Rene and Edita. Rene was my uncle and Edita was my aunt. They participated as rebels. Imagine your aunt and uncle going to... Uh, the the Adirondacks and and uh, in in camouflage suits and and armed to the teeth and going uh, and ter- defeating the the governance of uh, the governor of New York for example okay and taking over the whole state as a as a new regime that's what happened in Cuba and my family participated in it I can show you the photographs I have them right here there there was terrible uh, uh, corruption under the Batista regime Batista yeah but again there's corruption here there's if you go to Las Vegas there's corruption in Las Vegas sure if you talk to people on the street in New York I remember um, there was a, a a guy that I was instructing at the racetrack and he was driving a Ferrari and the point is that uh, he got this Ferrari because he was an elevator repair manager 
you know, he had a company that repaired elevators. He said the corruption on in New York City concerning what needs to be repaired and so forth was paramount. So the point is that Havana was a great place to live. Cuba was a great place to live. And Before the revolution, go right. ahead. And, and you know, to to those points, right? Governments, guys, are have always been and will always be corrupt, corrupt. and sure. that's why we have a constitution that mm-hmm. was built here in America yes. to limit yes. government, right? Is right. not to limit right. the citizens, right? Exactly. So again, you can still exactly. have prosperity yes. under these types of corruption. It's just. Again, right. now moving into a revolution than communism. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry, so I just then, wanted no, to point that you're, out. You're good. And the point is that we we thought, we Cubans, my parents in particular, and my family thought that with Castro we would have a more democratic, more, you know, uh, more freedoms and so forth, and it was just the opposite. Castro was a communist from the, from the word go, and within two years he had what they call intervened, intervención. He had expropriated... All private industry. He started with the big companies like Esso Gasoline, which is now Exxon, and Sinclair Gasoline and Gulf and Shell and all that. He expropriated all the big American companies, and then he started expropriating everything like Bank of America, you know, the uh, the the um, all the banks and all the companies first, and then he got all the way down to shoe, shoe repair, and and you couldn't even have a you couldn't even had a nail salon or a beauty salon because that was just not. Appropriate. They, he wanted everything to be owned by the government. You work for the government and only for the government. Today, you can look this up. All employees work for one entity, the federal government of Cuba, and all of them make. Are you ready for this? No matter what you do, you make the equivalent of twenty dollars a month. Wow. No matter what you do, whether you're a brain surgeon or you're a plumber or even you make hey, one salary that sounds $20. something like what some of the people here in America yeah, are looking yeah. for equity. about the equity. Yeah. Equity expropriation of the healthcare yeah. industry so, and mm-hmm. education and uh, equity oh, yeah uh, uh, Cuba has apparently from what I understand Cuba has an outstanding universal healthcare system from what I read in the research I don't know what that uh, means no. however no, they don't. The, the research no, they don't. also and goes to say that that tendered by and when, supplies. When we go to on break here, I'll show you the photographs that I brought about Edita. Remember my Edita who fought for the government mm-hmm. in, and uh, she, and then the government failed her? I'll show you exactly how they failed her photographically because so, I have the proof here. So I'm going to ask you a quick question. I just want to throw something out there. Uh, specifically in the fiscal year 2023, which ended in September uh, of last year, 287,000 Cubans were encountered at the U.S. ports of entry, mm-hmm. with most being apprehended at the Mexican border. Right. Well, they're trying to escape, and now they've found the way that the, the way in order to escape, instead of coming across in a, in a styrofoam raft and beaten in by sharks, which is what used to happen, you know, uh, decades ago. Now they go, they, they land in Mexico. The Cubans can travel to Mexico and South America anywhere. And they go to Mexico or they go to Panama, and then they just start walking up. Mm-hmm. And they have a better chance, although I can show you articles that, that the current administration does not want Cubans to come. Correct, because they limit the type of free speech. They limit yep. the social media and all those right. things. Right. So anyway, that's, they, have a, they have a different cut for Cubans, and I can get very technical on that. But we'll come back and talk about the positive things that we can do. You want to take us out to break? Vamos a regresar pronto. Do not touch that dial. You will be right back with your conservative New Eureka right here on The Voice of Liberty. Don't you go nowhere.
In the Rochester and Finger Lakes region, one name stands above all others for real estate appraisal and advice. Ryan Murphy and Associates. This full-service real estate appraisal company can appraise and advise on purchase and sales decisions, mortgage finance feasibility, estate, matrimonial, partnership buyouts, litigation, and more for any type of property, both residential and commercial. Ryan Murphy was founded almost 40 years ago. All of our highly trained staff members have at least 20 years of experience. All our appraisers are either New York State certified general or residential real estate appraisers. Ryan Murphy and Associates. Start here. RYNNEMurphy.com. The difference is dignity. At Open Door Mission, we open our arms and hearts to help those in need. We treat every one of our guests with respect and dignity. No matter the road that led to us, Open Door Mission is here to help. Give your support at opendoormission.com. Has your favorite pizza place been letting you down? Try Livingston County Pizza Company and Gluten-Free Bakery in Avon. Not only is their pizza amazing, but their full menu and bakery has something for everyone. Livingston County Pizza Company and Gluten-Free Bakery, Avon. Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the voice of liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the voice of liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. Bad decision. Limit future options. Stop adversity from becoming stress. Listen to The Flatline with host Rick Hughes, Sundays, 1130 a.m. on WISL. Learn problem-solving devices built on God's Word. Next Steps with Peter Vasquez on the WISL station. Welcome back to the Next Steps show, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking to the Honorable Luis Martinez, right? Cuban native, came here legally. His story is outstanding. We talk about socialism in this country, and we have a lot of opinions. But today we have a guy that's going to tell you why collaboratively we need to come together regardless of party affiliation and fight against this in this country because i'll tell you before break i said they have a world-renowned healthcare system according to my research but the pictures that uh, if luis if it's okay with you i'd like yeah, to share yeah, that out later yeah. um but the pictures that he showed me is everything but luis thank you for hanging with us and sure. again thank you for your patience Sure. So I started by saying something positive, and I want to keep that positive tilt, which is, you know, we need to think about the people who are trying to get here legally right. from all over the world, okay? The United States is the only place that's being invaded uh, for for all the reasons that we know. We have the ability to have our own, not only individual freedoms, but also entrepreneurial freedoms. If you look at data about what happens when immigrants get here. Most of them are very entrepreneurial. Most of them want to make it happen for themselves. And of course, you have examples like Elon Musk is a is um, is a prominent uh, legal immigrant. And for that matter, so is uh, the, the guy who created Zumba. He's a Colombian immigrant. You know, even yes, absolutely. I can't remember his name now, but um, the Goya if, Foods. If, I'm sorry, Goya Goya Foods, right. Mm -hmm. So then, and if you go to Cole's department store, that's a Polish immigrant. And I could, I have slides on the whole topic that there are a lot of people who have been, who have become, um, Gloria uh, Huffington is a, is an immigrant too, the Huffington Post. So all of these things, and of course, if you ever use, by the way, if you use something called WhatsApp, 
That is a Ukrainian immigrant. It was created by Jan Kuhn, who's now a nine or ten billion dollar uh, millionaire. Billionaire. That's the WhatsApp app, correct? The WhatsApp, yeah, WhatsApp, WhatsApp What's app, app? Yep. Yeah. was created by Jan Kuhn. Look it up. And uh, he's a legal immigrant. So there are many, many stories like that. And we need to, to think about those people who are being left behind by a, a, a program, a way of thinking that says that we can be invaded by illegal immigrants. Okay, um, there, all, all of that is against the law. I can tell you why. There's something that I've, I have enforced since 1986, which is the IRCA, Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986. It was signed by Reagan. And at that time, I was working for Exide Battery Company. What does that do? I have to, and I just did it just last week. I had a client for 90 days, and I hired 21 people, and I had to use the I-9 form to make sure that everybody that I hired, all those 21 people that I hired, are here legally. And I have to inspect documents, their documents, that individual's documents, and I have to run background checks to make sure that everything that they say to me is true. And I can only hire legal immigrants who, and, and I didn't have, none of them were immigrants, but the point is I have to check each and every one of them to make sure that they are entitled to work in the United States. Yep. So all of these things exist in our favor because they're legally required. And yet we have a situation where uh, some people actually sincerely believe that we should allow invaders to come to our nation. And, and that's the only, what they are, invaders. They're invaders. So then when somebody you know stands up to me like that and says, oh, you know, and they start getting very uh, – they get very abstract on the subjects. And, I, and I'll say to them, can you tell me about the time that you posted – your home address on Facebook and invited illegal aliens to come to your house. Uh. And of course, they, they immediately get angry with me. Well, don't be a hypocrite. If you're not ready to invite people that you don't know into your home to eat you out of house and home and to access your bank accounts and all that, why do you want somebody else well, to do that? New York City is suing Texas for busing up the illegal immigrants. Oh, New York City declared themselves as a sanctuary city. So right. did Rochester, these, New York. All of these, so is Rochester. So all of these jurisdictions, be they states or cities or municipalities, that call themselves sanctuary cities should simply stew in their own juice because they asked for this chaos. They asked for this, you and know, New York City is going crazy, Mary Adam. I mean, they're backpedaling on right. all sorts of things right, right now they so as now they're stewing in there. They were being, I'll yeah. tell you flat out, they were being hypocrites. They were saying one thing and now they're doing another, right? That's the definition of hypocrisy. And yet, so if I confront anybody on the street, in on Facebook, in person, and they say we should allow all of this invasion, no. The answer is no, because you're not ready to do what you require others to do, which is think about the people including legal immigrants who have been here in the United States for many years, and now they occupy uh, their, their own homes and ranches in, in Texas, Arizona, um, New Mexico, and California. Think about them. They have been here sometimes for decades or generations. They are legal immigrants, and they, are, they have established in the United States. And so now you had thousands, millions of invaders coming through their property, ruining their crops, and and even uh, uh, robbing their homes and everything. And we're, we are here in like in uh, some suburban house and somebody's going to tell me that th that should be allowed because, you know, it's happening to them, not, but not right. here at home. No, if you are not ready to post your, and I mean this as, as, as every word, if you're not ready to post your home address to invite illegal aliens, then you got no business telling everybody else that they should invite illegal aliens. That's how I feel about that. Luis, te voy a hacer una pregunta. All right, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that, that, that maybe may hit a little bit personal to you. 
Okay, but in 2018, the U.S. exported approximately $220.5 million to Cuba. Mm -hmm. However, uh, in 1962, the U.S., uh, the Bay of Pigs, yes. right? The U.S. intervened mm -hmm. uh, and when we found out that uh, Cuba was holding nuclear weapons and has a close relationship. I mean, that, that ended up to a 13-day standoff that almost led the yeah. United States into a nuclear right. war. Yes. With, am I accurate yeah. in all that? Yeah, they're okay, two, so, so, yeah, totally my, my, different subjects, but they're accurate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my question to you is, what mm -hmm. is the relationship with Cuba today yes. with Russia, and, and, and should America be like, listen, either cut those ties or we're not helping you anymore? Well, I don't know what Cuba's doing with Russia. They're more probably more tied to Chinese now simply because Russia couldn't afford to keep, you know, kind of sort of us. Yeah, but China Cuba. and Russia, are, yeah. you know, they're kind right. of boyfriend so and girlfriend I, there. Right. But, so I, I don't know the specifics China of being that, the girl. But they do rely on the, you know, those kinds of countries in order to, to sort of stay afloat. It is true, and I can look this up because uh, there's an MIT report that shows how many dollars, uh, so many, how many uh, goods, they're all, they're all food, good, food uh, like corn and chicken and things like that, that Cuba imports from American farmers. That number is in, usually in a two, three, four hundred million dollar a year, um, you know, that is, that's the bulk foods that are shipped uh, to Cuba. That is true. That's been going on for a long time. And you can look up the, the, the specifics of that in an MIT report that I used to access. However, the, in 1962, if I can tell you a quick story, I was sent to the United States by my parents. And I mean sent legally. I can show you here. I have my passport and my, and my visa to come to the United States when I was 12 years old. They sent me to the United States under a program called Peter Pan. Why Peter Pan? Because Peter Pan was an orphan. And we children who were sent, about 15,000 of us, were sent by our parents to Cuba, excuse me, from Cuba to the United States under the... Programa Pedro Pan, the Peter Pan program, was a combination of the Eisenhower era presidency with the Catholic Church in the United States to have children brought to the United States with passport, with visa, and with a host family. Very important. There was somebody here to receive us. We weren't, like, you know, hanging out on the street. So I was one of those. Or trafficked. I, or trafficked, exactly. Thank you. So I came in a, in a, uh, a Pan American DC-6 uh, four-engine airplane from Havana to Miami. So perfectly legal, 15,000 children like that came to the United States. We, we made it in the American dream, and that's another whole. I could do a whole section about how to achieve the American dream as a result of that. So we all made it, and, and like I said, you know, four generations and my entire extended family. Luis, I'm definitely going to bring you on to the show many more, many more times. Okay. I mean, your <laughs> stories, you. and I apologize Gracias. that today we got distracted. Yeah. We're running out of time, but I want to ask you one more very important okay. question. Let me read this to you real quick. Uh, in 1959, the migration has led to significant Cuban-American communities in the U.S., especially in Florida, influence American culture, politics, and society, right? I have a right. question for you. Yeah. What value, right, considering everything that we know about Cuba and their socialist nature, mm -hmm. what value do Cubans, especially those coming over here illegally, bring to the United States? Well, I don't know. I'll set, I'll set the illegal question aside for a minute. The value that Cubans bring to the United States was actually recognized by, Oval, by, uh, by Barack Obama about uh, eight years ago, and I wish I had that quote. So what's happening is that 
the Cuban, if you go to Miami before and after, if you actually see photographs of Miami before the, if you will, the Cuban, the Cuban influence to what Miami became, then you will see the impact of entrepreneurship from the Cuban community, just like you have it here from other, uh, from other ethnic groups in the United States now. Uh, Latino <laughs> blood, man. Listen, right. we could run so, some businesses. So uh, having said that, those were all, you know, for the most part, were legal immigrants from Cuba like me, you know, having having done that. And uh, now, illegally, I, if, if there are illegal Cubans in the United States, of course there are. I just don't know what the impact they've had at this point, and, and I don't have anything to show concerning that, uh, something I could look up. You want to talk about impact? Quickly. Look oh, look at that. Desi Ness and Lucille Ball. I love and, uh, that show. I grew up with that. Desi Ness, talk about an entrepreneur. People don't realize what an entrepreneur that man was. Oh, yeah. The reason that you know what that program is, I Love Lucy, is because Desi Ness, the person, created the syndication of that program back in 1953. He was the, one of the wealthiest men in the United States in 1953. Luis, in 10 seconds or less, next steps advice for our, our listeners, and I will bring you back on soon. The next step advice is that to finish your schooling, then get a job, then get married and have your family. That's called the success sequence. The success sequence. I would love to tell you about it. And we'll have you on to talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, education makes you unfit to be a slave. Hey, embrace the rhythm of brain. For every drop lies the potential to nourish a new beginning. Feel free to claim this as your own if you'd like. Ladies and gentlemen, be a leader. Share with us, advertise with us. And hey, nextstepshow.com if you want to join the conversation and come in studio. Que tengan una semana bendecida hasta tomorrow. Y nunca te olvide que aquí en the WS Solid Stations, El Voice of Liberty, your conservative New Yorican, the mayor of Realville, and from Cuba, Te amamos. Ven con los